Just before the episode, I would like to thank all our Patreon members. You guys, the support means the world to me and helps keep this podcast going. And if you haven't signed up for Patreon yet, just so you know, Lindsay from formerly 33% Pulp and I cover a lot of different true crime and history media like The Keepers and the Paradise Lost series, as well as covering some topics that you guys probably wouldn't hear about otherwise. You know, we've covered the Ainu of Japan, we've covered Bernard Pernat, lots of different cases, as well as some surprise and different kinds of content such as crazy sci-fi movies comes up as well. So love if you would check it out. Thank you guys for all the support and allowing me to keep doing this for the past few years, so thank you. And now on to the episode. Just before the episode, I would like to thank our new patrons from December and January. I know I'm a little behind, but do know your support means the world to me and helps keep the podcast going to keep all these great sources for the episodes and just basically doing the bare minimum for the podcast. So thank you to Scott F. for pledging and all the patrons who continue to pledge month after month. I appreciate it so much. And now on to the episode. You ready to learn about Cincinnati? I am. It's a Cincinnati case, huh? Yeah. It was next up in my list. I'm excited. (laughs) Welcome back to the cult of domesticity. We've had further issues because of mic dropping. Yes. Don't do it. Not not metaphorical mic drops. Literally dropping the mic on your MacBook Pro, which it did not respond well to thus far. So maybe MacBook Pros don't respond well to the... Age-old termage, if your computer's broken, just turn it off and then hit it and then turn it back on. (laughs) No, it didn't seem to. We finished the last episode when we recorded it, and that was it for my Mac. So I'm going to have to go into the – do they still call the people that work there geniuses? That was so obnoxious. Go see your Apple genius. Just because the company had one, or arguably two, maybe was, as well as jobs, Mm -hmm. doesn't mean everybody who works there is a genius. No, but we did plan a, a Patreon episode, so... Yeah, that's true. We got get, something. Get excited. We're gonna watch a 70s movie. I'm excited. I'm ready. So we're gonna talk about a Cincinnati case today. All right. And we're gonna talk about Cincinnati in the 19th century, a.k.a. the 1880s. I don't know much about Cincinnati. I know about the... Boy, I know about the rivers. I, I'm trying to think of industry... Um, you'll have to Porkopolis is prominent. Was it it pork? Yeah, there was a lot of pork, and it was a big port city on the Ohio River. Right. Again, still refuse to go in there, because who knows what the fuck is in that river besides bodies. I do know there's bodies in there. Yeah, that's that's not unusual for major bodies of water, though. An amazing amount of bodies end up... Well, it's also... Because my friend lives in Kentucky, my friend Mike from Drunk Thunks lives across the river, so he and I will go on walks, and it's weird, because we'll walk along the river, and you can, like, see the the Freedom Center, Oprah Endorse Museum, by the way, great museum about, and they'll talk about, like, you know, it's the Underground Railroad and Freedom Center. Have I applied there? You bet my ass Just I have. Just a couple of times. Just a few. Not as much as the Smithsonian. They you owe me something at now, this like... point for how much they've rejected me. But anyways. <laughs> An award. I just want a free trip. <laughs> I'm not even like, you You don't even need to give me anything. Just I when I come in, please don't make me pay. So you have the Underground Railroad Museum in Cincinnati proper. So in Ohio. 
And then we'll walk around, and we're on the Kentucky side. And it's creepy because you can now, like, walk across the river. So all those people who died, like, fleeing for their freedom, and you're just like, I'm just going to go for a little ride. True. Yes, it reminds me of post-Cold War when the American scientists, the nuclear checkers, finally got in there. And they're like, it took us a while, like 50 years to get in this building. And here they just let us in the front door. Yeah, bizarre. Like all of a sudden, things are different. So we're dealing with the Gilded Age or Victorian Age. Cincinnati's an industrial city. You know, we just are getting police. So that's good. Good thing. We're getting fire departments. Also good. Very good in the 19th century, yes. Yeah, so in my AmeriCorps days, I did have to know some of this stuff, but I believe Cincinnati had one of the first fire departments in the country. In the country? Oh, all right. There is a museum downtown by City Hall, in case you're wondering, <sighs> have I been in it? No. Have I walked past it? A shit ton, yes. For um, a fire department? For a museum of fire and police? or There's a Cincinnati fire department. I believe it's fire engine number really? two or something like that. I'm trying to picture an early fire truck, and I'm imagining some guy's Model T that they just called Engine 2, like a Domino's driver just puts the sign on top of the hood. It's like, I am now a fire truck, and that's model. That's Engine 2. Horse and carriage. Yeah, that makes more sense. Horse and carriage with a big um, thing, and you have to pump it out. Yeah, it wasn't safe. It wasn't great. <laughs> but at Cincinnati in the 1880s had a rising crime rate, as most developing cities do. And a lot of people weren't happy with the uh, general labor conditions. If I remember correctly, we have Rookwood Pottery there. There's a lot of pork plants. I don't really know what else Cincinnati is known for, but like, oh, you know, industry. So Cincinnati in the 1880s, their police force had 300 men. I don't know how many they have now, but it's definitely at least twice as many men. Yes. General menage. I would think so. Human yeah. Humans. General humans. There's definitely more than that. And five patrol wagons. Just five. Five for 300 men. Yeah. So they're all on foot, I guess. And that makes sense with their nightsticks and they twirl them as they whistle down the street. Or horses or something. Yeah. And yeah. They, w they would arrest 50 people for murder, only hanging four. Interesting. So were 46 acquitted or were they punished in some other way? That is the information I found. Okay. So your guess is as good as mine. I'm going to guess either acquitted or not hung. Sure. Lifetime in jail. We know in January 1st, 1884, there were 23 accused murderers in jail. But at the same time, there's a serious corruption problem. Local leaders were notorious for controlling elections and manipulating the judges and juries. Yes. So, I mean, not an uncommon problem in the United States at this time. Not at all. Not throughout our history, and especially back then, in the mid-19th century. That election was at 1864 that was just the last, not the last episode I was on, but the previous one, before I broke my computer. We were talking about stealing Lincoln's body. Yes. And that was the election night of 1864. And that one was so close, it took days and days to, to tabulate all the votes, much like something we all just lived through. But back in that day, when the Democrats ruled in a certain way in uh, one of the contested states, the Republicans in a different state said, screw you. And they just threw out a bunch of votes, literally threw them away. So the election of 1864, we'll never know the actual result of, but... Mm -hmm. The Republic survived. We're still here. In some form or <laughs> In some way. So in March of 1884, 
there w- the city had been dealing with the flood of the previous month, so in February. Um, I had to think of what month that was because you have to remember we're on the we're on the Ohio River. So that floods often to a certain degree. Also, Cincinnati is surprisingly hilly. You wouldn't think so because you're like Southern Ohio is pretty flat. But Kentucky is not. It's right by. It's not as hilly as say when you go north of Columbus or you go towards the Appalachian Mountains. Right. But we're still pretty hilly, not mountainous. You're not going to get as dramatic. Like along the river, it's a little more dramatic, but there's definitely a floodplain and problem. Okay. And the Cincinnati Inquirer published on March 9th, laxity of laws gives the Queen City of the West its crimson record. Preeminence in art, science, and industry avails nothing when murder is rampant and the lives of citizens are unsafe even in broad daylight. Wait, that's the headline? That's the headline. That's quite the headline. That, that headline more or less tells the whole story. We're done. Oh, don't you love historical titles? Because... <laughs> I do. Old newspaper headlines are the best, and they are so... People do complain today about slanted news, but we're just pikers compared to the newspapers of the 19th century, because it's just right out there for everyone. As my advisor said for my thesis, you don't need to quote the entire three lines <laughs> of the book title. And right. when I say they were three lines, legitimately, that was a short one. So is Queen City of the West, is that A, is that a moniker that still holds today? And is, is that a, a thing? Or was that like a tourist campaign? Or is this a part of Cincinnati's history? And why is it the Queen City of the West? Cincinnati is known as the Queen City. It's one of numerous Queen Cities. But before we had, like, St. Louis, it was a gateway to the West. So you'd you'd go down the river to Cincinnati, and then you'd start your journey West. I think there's, like, 20-something Queen Cities in the United States. Okay. (laughs) Because, like, Charlotte's a Queen City. There's other places. It's not uncommon. Cincinnati is also known as Zincinnati, because you got that good German accent. Uh. Cincinnati. Porkopolis. It's one of the big, the three C's of Ohio. You got Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati, all connected by 71, in case you're wondering. The road I hate. I see. So it is a, Queen City is a designation of some kind. It's just and, a but there's But there's way too much murder in 1865. They're, they, because of all the corruption and everything, people were getting upset. And the Cincinnati Choir, I will say, is still around it is yeah it hasn't gone out of business it's one of the still continuing local newspapers yes but people were upset because there were murders happening and no one was being held accountable for them which is fair yeah people dying and the police are supposed to fix that and solve the crimes and they are apathetic or corruptible or just incompetent maybe or they are the police catch the right person but the judges are paid off the juries are paid off and no one's being put in prison for it you're gonna get pissed yeah system is not working no so let's get to the murder william kirk was a sand dealer and he decided to addition to dealing sand which very lucrative you needed construction you needed making glassware you needed pottery true and if anybody's ever seen Rookwood Pottery that comes out of Cincinnati, very prominent, very nice. He decides, you know what, I'm going to start dealing in horses as well. Because remember, we're on the Kentucky border. Kentucky has a lot of horses and stuff. We know on December 24th, 1883, he leaves his home in Cincinnati with over $200 in his pocket. That's a lot of money. A lot of money back then, yeah. So 
$200 today. Let me guess. I'm going to guess. 18, what, 85? 83. Post-Civil War. Yikes. Oh, $200 is going to be... That's going to be a couple of thousand easily. Maybe closer to three or four. 2,500 is my guess. 2,500? We have average... The cumulative inflation rate is 2,478%. So oh, I was going to say I was right on the money. 5,156. Wow. Dollars. Okay, so I was low. So the guy leaves on Christmas Eve with five grand in his pocket. Yeah. Let me tell you, you feel really awkward. And he's yeah. bound for, oh, I did not look up how to say it. It looks like Chevoit. In uh, Kentucky or in Ohio? I believe it's in Ohio. Yeah, it's, it's in Hamilton County. That, yeah, same county then. Right? Same county, yeah. He's going to go a little, pulling it up. Now it would be like the outer edges of Cincinnati, but it's, he definitely would have to go like northwest. Cute little so, town, little rural now. Like 10 miles, probably. Let me pull up the map. And he is, in a, is he have a wagon or is he walking? Now I have to do walking because they don't have a wagon. <laughs> they don't. Google Earth doesn't have a. Using Bing to get free points. Don't judge me. It's about seven miles from downtown Cincinnati. Seven and a half miles. Okay. So he's walking or has a wagon that's still going to take a couple of hours. It says it will take two and a half hours, generally. And that's with Modern Road. He's going to buy a horse. However, four days later, his body is found in the banks of a stream right outside of Cincinnati. His neck had a rope wrapped around it, and his tongue protruded as if he had been choked to death. He also had marks of being hit over the top of his head there were some hay seeds stuck to the bloody rope which kind of suggested it was committed in a stable okay yeah so they start doing an investigation of the stables and they get his identification because they just found this body you're like oh that's weird in kirk's stable they actually found bloody stains in his clothing his own stable his own stable so he didn't even get to leave ah how is it known that he left with money I wonder. Probably he told someone. Because I assume the money's gone now. Oh, yes. He had two young hostlers in his employ, so people who tend to his horses. Okay. We have 18-year-old William Berner, who was a Suspect son of- Suspect number one. All right. So Berner is the son of German immigrants, not uncommon in Cincinnati. Right. As well as 19-year-old Joe Palmer, who is mixed. They had hired a wagon from a nearby livery stable, and it was also- Bloodstained. Oh, okay. So maybe he was in the wagon. You know. Initially, both men are like, I'm innocent. Wasn't me. Wasn't Mm -hmm. me. They're like, we found blood in the stable. It wasn't me. We found blood in the wagon. Wasn't me. But the police bring them in and question them separately. Palmer breaks first and he goes, okay, Burner asked me to help him with a delivery. I went with him. I didn't know there was a body in the wagon until Burner asked me to help him unload it. He goes, I didn't even know it was Kirk. Like, he didn't even know how he was killed. I mean, dude, there's a rope around his neck. Probably know how he was killed. But he's claiming accessory after the fact. Yes. Okay. So the second guy did it, according to the first guy. Yeah. Well, Burner then goes, you know... Kirk had been killed by blows from a hammer, and that was Palmer's fault. He had done all the blows. A hammer? Yeah, he beat him over the head with a hammer. Okay, so there's no strangulation. My thing is, I think it was a little bit of both, because they said his tongue was out and his head was bashed in, so maybe you strangled him, he woke up, freaked Uh, out. Ah, yeah, sure. Palmer then, according to Bernard, took all of Kirk's money and gave Bernard $100. 
So he took half of the money, gave it to Burner. Fair enough. I suppose. Yeah. It didn't work, though. Their silence lasted all of, like, three days. Yeah, basically. Well, it took him four days to find the body. So, right. like, after, after they found the body, like, maybe two days. Okay. Burner then took the hired wagon away, and, you know, they unload the body. Palmer heard Burner's story and goes, no, you're a liar, makes a full confession. He goes, you know, changing his story, goes, I have seen... We have seen uh, Kirk at various times with like a lot of money, and we're gonna. We decided to rob him when they saw him the day before Christmas. Because remember, it's the twenty fourth. Mm-hmm. They were like, "It's perfect time again." Remember, this is he has five thousand dollars of modern day money. People have robbed for less. Oh sure, yeah. So, and this is according to Palmer. He goes, you know, Burner grabbed a hammer. He grabbed a club. Burner struck first. Palmer followed until they each had hit him four times. They're like, Kirk was still alive, so they wrapped a rope around his neck and each pulled on each end. So they do the like wrap around and each grabbing an end and pulling. There, they discovered that Kirk was carrying $245. So you're like, okay, let's see how much that changes. So this is guy number two claiming they didn't know he had that amount of money on him. Guy at number that one. Moment. Guy number one is saying, because we've seen him with a lot of money. We figured he might have it on him now. Yeah, and this moves it up to $6,300. So, I mean, it's still a lot of money. Yeah. It more implicates them both equally because they were both like, we both hit him an equal number of time. Pretty suspicious. Yeah. I mean, that's not the way it happened. Fair to say. I think the fact that they, if they both strangled him, I'm like, yeah, I could see them being like, you know, he always has this money. The blow count, I think it's... I could see them both hitting him and him not dying and then being like, shit, wrapping the rope around and pulling. Right. To me, that makes more sense. Yes. Burner gave Palmer $100 because they agreed that the man who struck the first blow would get the lion's share. What? Okay. So you're the first You're the first one with balls. You get more money. <laughs> I guess so. All right. And they ask, they're like, okay, where's all this money? Palmer goes, quote... I went out with three or four fellows on Christmas night and we blew it all in. Mm. I I have told the whole truth now and nothing but the truth. And I feel a hundred times lighter, end quote. And I was like, you know what? That's exactly what I expect to happen. <laughs> so he says he spent all, what, 3000 of his share mm-hmm. on Christmas night. Yeah. So he had, he had $100. That's pretty impressive. I'm not sure if I'm... That sounds exhausting. So $100 at that time was about... Uh, 2500 But think about it. If you're going with, out with like three or four guys plus yourself, so let's say max five people, you could, you could eat. You could do it at the right, at the right place. Probably tough to do it at a chilly place, but <laughs> there are places where you could do it. I'm assuming, okay, you go out for chili first. <laughs> let's get that out of the way. Then you go to a couple like bars. You might buy a couple of rounds for the whole place. Yeah, that's a lot of rum and cokes, though. That's a lot of German beer. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you you hit the 18th century of uh, 19th century strip club at some. You know, and you have to assume any all of your tabs. So say you spend fifty dollars, times it by right. five because it's on you. Yeah, you're paying for everything. Yeah, you can definitely do it. It's just uh, the money's gone now. It's an interesting note. They just, they formulated this plot to commit this heinous crime so that they could have one night of fun. But that is just Palmer. So Burner could still have the money on. Right. That's what I'm thinking. So that's half the money. So half the money's gone. Or even like mostly gone, you know? 
Right. Palmer tells the cops, he goes, oh, Burner's going to go free because his people have money. So his family, his people have money. He would tell the reporters, quote, this is a hell, this is a hell of a murder and we ought to be lynched, end quote. So he knew he <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. So let's get into the trial of William Burner. This happens March 3rd, 1884. They're tried separately, which, fair enough. The trial is going to last longer than two weeks because the prosecution is building circumstantial case. So they want to make sure that everything is clear. Nothing's going to be left to question. Okay. Burner keeps going, I witnessed Palmer murder. I had no plans. I didn't do anything. Everybody's like, sure, bro. Sure you didn't. Right. Everybody assumed that Burner was going to be found guilty of the fir- first degree. They knew he had murdered Kirk in cold blood in broad daylight the day before Christmas. You have to also think about that. It's the day before Christmas. Yeah, that's not that's not very uh, joyful. It's not very of the season. No. And people of Cincinnati were like, nah, bro. Uh-uh. Yeah. We're not, not here okay. for this. So it outraged the community, you would say. Yes. Which is part of this story is the outrage. Okay. But the jury was like, um, they slid a note to the judge and they're like, can we recommend mercy? Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. As the prosecutor said, quote, we are gone. Burner will never hang. The judge was like, it's probably going to be murder in the second degree. Really? Nope. What do you, do you want to guess what it was? So for, for which one? For, for both Burner. of them? Um, it was not murder in the second degree? No. Uh, I don't know, was it less? So, was it manslaughter? Yes. Okay. Manslaughter with a maximum sentence of 20 years. Interesting. So, what was their justification for that? They never gave one because, basically, they had to rush the entire jury out of the room because of an angry crowd. Right. Yeah, I can understand why. So, why is this... Because manslaughter... I don't know about that, I guess, but there are two types. It's either negligent homicide, meaning your negligence killed somebody, a la drunk driving, maybe. Uh, These days they say if if you're a drug dealer and you supply somebody some places, you can be charged with that. Or the wife's in, in bed with another guy defense. Those are the two types of manslaughter today. But second degree murder at least would fit this because first degree would you'd have to prove planning you'd have to prove some kind of premeditation which can be tough so you go second degree to be safe but you get your 25 to 50 years and i mean they had a motive they planned it you could probably you could probably make a case for first degree let alone second degree but they went all the way down to manslaughter yeah basically as soon as they announced it spectators booed and hissed the jury (laughs) and the judge goes Quote, that's a damn outrage, end quote. Because you have to also remember, at this point, there's so many miscarriages of justice that people are fucking done. Yeah, even when the judge is scolding you, yeah, that's that's bad news. Next day, the newspaper is called for a public meeting to condemn the verdict. (laughs) Palmer was convicted and to be hanged. Like, he didn't even get this. So it's really, Burner gets kind of let off lightly. Yeah. We know because of an article in the New York Times from March 27th, 1884, James Bourne, one of the jurors, had spent the night on Bre- at the Bremen Street Police Station after being threatened by a mob. He returned home that morning. A crowd threatened to hang him 
and they they dispersed it by the police. But later he was beaten and again taken to the police station for his own safety. This is actually interesting. This is like a crisis of the judicial system. Mm-hmm. Judicial and police system, you know, like. Yeah. Everybody's like, what the fuck? Because now you've got what is clearly, by popular opinion, an unjust verdict, but you're bound to respect the verdict because that's the system. So you're teetering here on just mob rule and the overthrowing of the whole system and we'll in get, just one place. In one place, but we'll get to why we can't really judge it after the fact because there's destruction and documents are destroyed. But anyways, so another jury member... Charles Dolhan actually got pelted with rotten eggs and did not return home because of fear. Wow. All right. So did the jury say, though, why they were so lenient? They didn't. Interesting. Um, I think they were too terrified. Well, that backfired because now their life isn't super fun. No. So another jury member, Louis Havenmeyer, was told he was fired when he went to work. (laughs) Another member had... The blinds torn from his house on Liberty Street and dead cats and rotten eggs thrown at the window. Yikes. Don't but, throw the dead cats. But they discovered they had the wrong L. Phillips. <laughs> so they did it to another L. Phillips. <laughs> so this poor guy's sitting, you know, at home watching Judge Judy saying, what What in the world? Why is there a dead cat flying in my he's window? He's reading the Inquirer and he's just like, <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. He's, not, he's watching Netflix. Mm-hmm. The foreman... A.F. Shaw went into hiding. <laughs> it's not funny, but it's kind of funny. It's it's a little funny. So what happened? This is that was just like the people involved. So aftermath, we know there was anarchy mirroring on the streets. Uh, Cincinnati actually was having a wave of unrelated murders, around two murder arrests per week. That spring, same spring, there were 23 indicted murderers waiting for trial. A man who had murdered his wife with an axe, two men who had killed an entire family in order to sell their corpses to a medical school. Holy crap. Which I'll talk about them later. A different episode, I mean, but later. So pretty much, like I said, it was a powder keg when Burner gets off on manslaughter because everybody was Very O.J. Simpson verdict-esque. Yes. This is Cincinnati's version of an O.J. Simpson trial, but with a more crazy aftermath- yeah, definitely. So everybody in the city goes, the jury had been bought, threats of lynching were going throughout the city, and there was an evening meeting, March 28th, so the day after at Music Hall, which is, I mean, if you're downtown, Music Hall is a pretty central location. There's a big park across the street. Like, if you're going to do a movement, that's a good place to fucking start. That's where the Women's March in 2016, 2016, 2017 was, Yeah. The place to start your rally. Yeah. Well, because it's a good central location. Mm -hmm. So if you're coming from outside the city, it's easy to get to. There's a park so you can gather there. You can get people like organized and everything. So the meeting ends around 930. A large crowd marches on the jail, which at that time was right by, I believe, the Justice Center. And they were like, fuck this. We're taking the law into our own hands and we're getting rid of Burner. Right. The Hamilton County Sheriff, so the county that Cincinnati's in, Morton Hawkins, had thir- 13 deputies with him at the jail. And so this, he- is, this is Kevin Costner. Yeah, let's make it Kevin Costner. That's a good person <laughs> to make it. Standing there with a shotgun. No, he gets a phone call, or at least someone runs ahead and goes, hey, there's a crowd moving towards the jail. He rings the riot alarm, which I was like, first of all, super cool. 
Good to have um, a variety one. Because at this point, we have, like, if I remember correctly, we have, like, telegrams and stuff. So there's ways to, like, alert the other departments and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he lets the other police around the city know. But this brings more people towards the jail. The crowd reaches the jail, breaks into the door of the jailer's residence, goes up to the cell area looking for burners, but officials were like, people would be pissed. So let's move burner all the way up to Ohio Penitentiary in Columbus. So again, this is before 71 was constructed, but even now it's about an hour and a half to two hours to get to Columbus. So by the time, if you were going to go up there, by the time you get there, you're either extra pissed or your your anger is diffused. Sure, you have not thought over the situation and decided that, ah, it's not a big deal. I'll just, I'll uh, go home. Or you can at least think of the consequences. Right. No, that doesn't tend to happen with mobs and groups of people who are traveling for purposes like that. But two hours is a long time to, to hold that anger while you're traveling and not doing anything. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So they begin to trail out of the jail, and on the streets, it gets ugly. So all the police that the sheriff had summoned, because remember, he hit the riot alarm, begin to show up. The crowd manages to turn the first police wagon away. The second one, which contained the chief of police, Riley, forced its way through to the jail. All of a sudden, there's a melee happening. Chaos. People are freaking out. It's a it's a full blown riot. And like any riot, it's no longer about what they're there for anymore. Now the riot is feeding on itself. Yeah, I mean, we all know riots like protests start with a purpose. Once you start rioting, it's no longer about the original purpose. Right. Right. So not not good news, especially if you're you know the intended prisoner here i mean he doesn't even know this is happening you know he's i suppose he can probably hear something oh that's right he's in columbus he's in columbus he's far enough away he's safe that's the crazy thing about this he's safe he's not even there no palmer's probably there freaking out but like you know Ryder shot several gunshots one which hit a 17 year old boy in the head then yeah Someone threw a stone and knocked a police officer unconscious, so Chief Riley and his men escape by entering the jail through a tunnel connected to the courthouse. And what most people don't realize is the courthouse is the keeper of the records right now, Mm -hmm. so remember this. The crowd changed from, you know, concerned citizens who were like, we are upset about this, like, outcome into a mob, looting and just committing violence. They break into the jail... And the occupants station themselves behind iron doors inside of the jail. Attackers begin hammering at the doors. So, like, these are people just working there. And we can't assume, like, what level of compliance they had and all the corruption and whatnot. Right. I wonder how many just basic prisoners are in there because they're drunk the night before or whatever. The worst luck. (laughs) Yeah, that would be, it's like, just my luck. I got a parking ticket and now there's a riot outside. So they're hammering, the attackers are hammering on the doors and afraid that these doors are going to break. Sheriff Hawkins calls in for relief from the Ohio National Guard. And there are two companies on duty at the Cincinnati Armory, which I'm like, cool, we had an armory. (laughs) And these guardsmen, under the command of Colonel C.B. Hunt, arrive at the jail after the intruders actually broke through those doors. Those are um, iron doors. They broke through iron doors. That's a lot of anger. Wow. I'll bet you still have an armory, by the way. 
We probably do. It's probably just not known. It will be, I feel like Wright Pat, because it's up in Dayton, would come down more likely than anything. That, yeah, and that's where the aliens are, too. You know, they're hanging out. It's cool. <laughs> My friend moved away from living right by there. I can't say hi to the aliens as frequently as I do. So the guardsmen ret- like go through the jail from that tunnel from the courthouse and the rioters actually shoot four of them. Guardsmen begin to shoot back at them, pushing them back temporarily. Mob launches a second attack. Huntsmen shoot and kill a ringleader and manage to actually clear the jail. So the mob goes, fuck this. Right. We can't take over the jail. Let's set it on fire. Oh, well, of course. Next logical progression. You didn't think this was going to end up with fire, but it, everything's on fire. Especially in the 19th century, yeah. Yeah. So, Hunt sends some of his soldiers out, and another gun battle ensues. Three rioters, one police officer, and four guardsmen are shot, and the police and soldiers clear the streets near the jail. How many dead people so far? I don't even know. Because they say shot, but they don't say dead. Right. So it could be zero, or it could be eight. Yeah. Welcome to the 18th century reporting, or 19th century yeah, reporting. This is true. Who's to say? As the sun comes up on Sunday mo- or Saturday morning, oh, here we go. Four are dead. We don't know how many are injured. That's what I love. Who's to say how many are injured? We do Unknown. know four are dead. Okay. Several guardsmen and law enforcement officers are wounded. And, you know, the Cincinnati Inquirer comes out with another raging headline, quote, at last the people are roused and have taken take the law into their own hands, enrage the community, <laughs> rises in its might, end quote. No slant there whatsoever. Nope, it's fine. Totally fair and balanced. Fair and balanced, completely. It would change by the next day? Sheriff Hawkins goes, this shit's not done. And he goes, we need more reinforcement. So he sends a little telegraph, goes, beep, 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 I'm assuming that's how he's sending <laughs> reinforcements. You know, only 117 of the 125 guardsmen in the Cincinnati area were available to respond to the call but there were nearly 200 men on hand in case it pops up again right they understand that there's not enough men to defend the jail and the courthouse so hawkins hunt and riley so that's the sheriff or colonel of the national guard and the police chief go okay let's erect barricades around the streets defending the jail deploy the men's at stations keeping some in reserve hawkins asked governor george Hoadley to deploy more National Guards to Cincinnati. He goes, shit's gonna blow up. Hoadley was like, uh, it's gonna be too expensive. And I don't want to, like, piss off my political support in Cincinnati. So Interesting. Yeah. Some things never change. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) So instead of having the troops deployed, which, when in doubt, deploy, like, deploying the troops in this case would have saved a lot of shit. Hoadley goes around Columbus going, I'm consulting leading Cincinnati citizens. And it's like, oh, how bad is it? Oh, you fled. (laughs) Is that a pretty good impression? I'm not. Is that historically accurate? I don't think that's historically accurate, (laughs) but I'm just doing my standard politician doesn't have balls. That's pretty good. Or a spine. He did mobilize some units. So if they needed to have them available, they could have them quickly. But... You have to remember, again, our 19th century, there are no highways. Right. That is a post-Second World War thing. 
Right. Saturday night was not great for Cincinnati. So again, I guess you have nothing better to do. And the newspaper has sort of uh, given a, a second chapter to the cycle, to the news cycle of the event. So it's not done. Oh, this motherfucker ain't close to done. No. <laughs> All right. So we had night one of riots on Friday night in the courthouse. All right. They're they're pissed. They discover he's not there. They start fighting the police and the National Meanwhile, the newspaper is like, keep going. You guys are you're rock stars. Keep doing it. The public is rising. So Saturday was payday. What happens on payday? Party. Right. Gonna rage, 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 rage. Shots, 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 shots. Shots of what? We're not sure. Chili, maybe. You also have to remember. Okay, so where the courthouse is is very close to where OTR is, which non-Cincinnati people, OTR is over the Rhine. There's issues with it now. We're not talking about that. But I've heard I've heard those. Yeah. Over the Rhine, where all the German people live, where all the breweries are. You also probably have to have some decent liquor coming up from from mash coming up from Kentucky at this point, right? It's a great time. I'm not yeah. mad about living here because I get great beer and great whiskey and bourbon. I'm happy about it. But Seriously, it's like the best. I can drive 20 minutes and get good bourbon. I'm very content with this. So people have extra money to buy booze. Right. They get a little drunk. As night falls, as mo- for most riots, the crowds begin to come towards the barricades because they're like, you know, a lot of things sound great when you're drunk. <laughs> they're not, but... In, you know, in dancing, picking up chicks, insurrection, all sound, all sound good. Getting aggressive while playing Among Us, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're all not speaking from personal experiences. I definitely haven't let a not riot while drunk. I have I have not fomented insurrection while drunk. I've done the other stuff, but that's that's about it. So you know, people start fighting with the defenders as the defenders are like, "Uh, we need more people." Yeah, but it's like a slow trickle turning into a giant mob, and they're like, "Hey, no one's defending the courthouse." So because they had to allocate the resources, right? They had to choose. They're like, "Okay." People are like, "Hey, the treasurer's office is in there." Ah. Uh. They go in, set it on fire. Mm-hmm. Because naturally, when you're drunk, fire seems like a good idea. Again, not from personal experience. <laughs> so all the records, county, city, all the baseball scores, they're all up in flames. You can still go see the ones that are a little charred. Yeah, that's um, true. I have. It's pretty cool. The fire spreads to other offices. Firefighters show up trying to fight the fire, but again... There's a mob. So the mob's like, fuck you. And Hawkins goes, I mean, his men are so tired because, you know, they had to have people there during the day because if there's not people, then people are going to break in. So he's like, okay, go help the firefighters. We do know that at least one guardsman is shot and killed. Another's injured. And I'm like, damn, y'all came drunk and with firearms, but. There's not much else to do. Yeah. Shoot things, set people on fire. Well, get drunk. maybe not people, but maybe. I don't know. Get drunk. It's just a just Saturday fires. night in Cincinnati. They retreat to the jail to await reinforcements, because remember, they're coming from Columbus. Right, yeah. So let me just do a little Google mapping on how long it would take to walk from Columbus to here. You gotta be pretty... Well, I mean, yeah. I guess that's how... They're, they're spending their Saturday night. When did they leave, though? Friday? They left at, like, around 5 p.m. On Saturday? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, they're not going to be there in time. Minimum 36 hours? Wow. So they're not going to be there until Monday, probably. Best case. When the whole of Cincinnati is already burned down. All right. Well, nothing else you can do, I guess. Even, like, that's just walking. Even if you left earlier, we do know that there's Ohio National Guard reinforcements arriving around 930, which they could have been closer, but the troops... Hmm. We're on a train state, like move from the train station three blocks of the jail, and then they encounter the mob. The three hundred men, instead of going forward to relieve the jail, backs up because they're threatened by the the rioters. So it's it's like the blind leading the blind. This commander would later face a court inquiry, and he was guilty of incompetence, disobedience of orders, and relieved of command. So he did not do the correct thing, and I agree. Well, he had one job relieve the people yeah and just you know put down the put down the riot go ahead that's you the situation at the jail is getting worse because the mob is growing no one's coming to stop it and they're like well fuck this no one's coming here to stop us let's have a good time right they finally get relief around 10 30 to 11 p.m so people start getting there around dusk and so it's march so like let's say like six o'clock the people who didn't show up and help are at 9 30 so they have like let's say minimum four hours to do whatever the fuck they want and they've already set a fire just a great time they get 425 national guardsmen armed with a gatling gun and they go quickly to the jail as they're going towards the jail rioters are pelting them with insults and stones because why the fuck not no one stopped you to this point <laughs> what are they gonna do with this gatling gun that's like an automatic gun right yeah it's a machine gun. Yeah. That's not going to be good. I'm terrified because I just looked up Gatling gun and the first thing that came up was Gatling gun for sale. <laughs> not surprising. Also, right there in Kentucky. So, Gatling guns are like a baby machine gun on a cannon. You manually turn the barrel so it fires like a... It was one of the first machine guns, right? Yeah, it's like the first machine gun, but still on like cannon wheels. So like a okay. carriage wheel. So they're rolling this thing across town. As they're getting hit by stones. <laughs> they get to the jail and Sheriff Hawkins goes, let's just clear the street. Again, the courthouse is still in motherfucking fire. Right. Just pointing that out. They begin to push back the rioters, building new barricades. Ten guardsmen are wounded by gunfire as they do this. And... So people are shooting them. Yes! Yes. They're throwing rocks, throwing insults, and shooting at them. And... Think about this. There's almost, what, uh, 450 guardsmen coming up, and they're still like, yeah, we're still cool with this. We're still going to attack you. Cincinnati doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, this is borderline. Like, there are there are military conflicts and major wars that have had fewer people than this. Yes, and this is just because of people were done with the lack of <laughs> right. justice in their city. And drunk, also. I mean, who's to say? Play Among Us drunk. Why not? We know that looting and vandalism is spread throughout the city. Sure. Fighting continues around the barricades with rage. They attack the barricades. They're not successful. Riders are like, fuck this. Let's start sniping at them. And I'm just like, y'all serious? Wow. Y'all serious right now? It lessens around 3 a.m. Yeah. I mean, that's when the booze ran out, I guess. I guess that's when you start to become hungover. <laughs> yeah. Like everybody's like, fuck, I need some water, I need some egg whites. I hop. Gatorade, Pedialyte. <laughs> I've seen Pedialyte save someone from alcohol poisoning. I trust that shit. Yeah. 
Yeah. And at that point you're looking for a Perkins or a, you know, it's, it's time to move on. We can come back tomorrow. I could go for some Perkins right now every goddamn day of the week. It's basically clubbing, right, in 1860. What year is this? 1884? 1884, yeah. Yeah, that's basically what you do for a good time. I could go for some potato pancakes after drinking. It's a good time. Any pancakes. (laughs) So, as the sun rises up over the seven hills of Cincinnati, (laughs) the courthouse completely smoldering. People did save documents. They literally chucked them out the windows. So the ones you can still see were thrown out the windows. There's pictures of it, like, or like sketches of it and stuff. It's crazy shit. So who was doing that? Like the... The more historically conscious rioters or the employees of the city? More likely the employees of the city who are in there already. They're not getting paid enough for that, first of all. No. It's probably like people in the recorder's office and all that. If you go to the Cincinnati recorder's office, I don't believe those are digitized, but you could definitely go in and ask. Do not do what I did the one time and forget you have a pocket knife. They do not appreciate that. Ah. So what kind of documents are... Still saved, just like land deeds and land deeds, random. Yeah. That's the ones I saw. I was dealing with land deeds, so I saw the land deeds. Okay, but they're singed from the fire, huh? They're smoky, yeah. Huh. It's, that yeah. is pretty cool. Because, I mean, Cincinnati started being settled around the 1790s, so it's like an older city that you think of. Yeah. And the main reason that everything is such a hot mess is because the governor was so indecisive. Wouldn't well, send backup. Sunday he goes, we're not fucking with this anymore. So the governor's worried that he's going to be on the wrong side of public opinion if he sends the guard. On Saturday, by Sunday, he goes, nah, bro, sends 2,000 National Guard and 50,000 rounds of ammunition to Cincinnati. He okay, ain't fucking so around anymore. That's, yeah, but that's only how many bullets per person? 25? I can't do that math, Scott. <laughs> Stop. I guess I guess that's a lot considering this is not a war. This is your own people. But yes. still, 25. I'm, if I'm going there and stuff's on fire and people are shooting and there's a Gatling gun. You I'm are right. Want more that is 25, 25 bullets. Gun bullets per person. It doesn't seem like a lot. Use I'm, them wisely. I'm really impressed with your math. Right that now. was, Courtney, that was 50 divided by two. <laughs> I'm not good at math. We all know this. We've we and now we we do. <laughs> we really yeah. know this. I'm not good at math either, but fifty divided by two, I can do. I didn't think about doing that. Okay, the governor sent Adjunct General Ebenezer Fidley. Excellent name. Great name to command the troops. As the Cincinnati Cincinnati Choir said today, remember what they said the day before? Like, oh, look at the public's woke today. It was. Quote, fire and fury, the reign of terror, end quote. Awful scenes in Cincinnati, end quote. Amazing how the, the media gets to step aside from the situation they helped to create. Right? Yeah. Some things never change. And the rioters were still not done. They're like, hold my beer. Or in this case, <laughs> give me more beer. They begin to uh, gather again. The crowds are swelling. Tensions are mounting. And now head of the National Guard, Finley, goes, Tonight's going to be a problem. And he was correct. Around 8.30 p.m., there's a group of 150 riders that begin pushing streetcars off the tracks. Okay. Several blocks from the deal. Which, if you think about it, that'll block up shit. Yeah, it's like turning over a cop car or a bus now, I guess. And Cincinnati had a lot of streetcars because we had hills, so it was easier and da-da-da-da. And looting and vandalism breaks out around the city. 
The fighting really ramps up between 10 and 11 p.m. Rioters are shooting at soldiers behind one of the barricades. As they're told to stop, the rioters are like, fuck that. And we see the soldiers using the Gatling gun to scatter the crowd. The final outbreak of violence occurs near a barricade on Court Street at 1 a.m. So this is Sunday morning. This is a Monday morning. Oh, Sunday night. Okay. Sunday night to Monday morning. This is all for one verdict. Yes. One verdict of manslaughter. But if you think about it, there's so many people that have gotten off. Sure. It's the the flashpoint. It's a slow rage. Right. And people are just done. Rioters fired over 50 shots as they came closer to that barrier on Court Street. The National Guard did not respond immediately. So when the mob charges the barricade, soldiers fire two volleys at them. The crowd retreats, leaving behind several wounded. And that's the end of the violence. Yeah. Well, it's now a Civil War firing. Mm -hmm. You know, that's crazy. So it turned to... At first, it seemed like they didn't want to and they weren't capable of putting down the rioting anyway. But at this point, it's just become its own military conflict. Yeah. So the full strength comes to about 2,500 troops with the National Guard on Monday. That's a lot. That's especially for now. Or like that point. Yeah. In the 1880s, the mayor closed all the bars in the town. (laughs) He's like, nah, you're not drinking anymore. No, no, no. That's funny. (laughs) Well, probably worked though. But you have to think people returned to work on Monday and there was no more violence. Yeah. It's just a weekend trip. You know, just a mild weekend riot. Right. (laughs) Causing a lot of damage. So the head of the National Guard, Finley, begins sending guardsmen home on Tuesday. The majority of soldiers left town on Wednesday. There was some that stayed until April 17th. So they kept people there just to be like, you trying to go? We're here. Well, there's always going to be a couple of leftover rioters, too. People that just want to continue because that's their anarchist. It's a good right. time. By the end of the weekend, the fire had destroyed the courthouse. 45 people were dead. 139 wow. were wounded. The guardsmen had 40 casualties, including two fatalities. Is that included in the total? Don't believe so. So it's 80 people? I believe so, yeah. Okay. That's insane. So that would be 47 people dead and 179 or 180 people wounded. This has to be top five American history riots in terms of casualties. It's pretty up there. Has to be, because now even even at the heights of the civil rights movement, when things got really real in the South in the 50s and 60s, when someone died, that was that was real. That was a big deal. And now we have 80 people, maybe 40 to 80 people dead. Are you ready for the craziest part? Okay. We haven't gotten to it. So there was a scheduled election the next week, and the people of Cincinnati actually voted to return the candidates to the same office whose corrupt practices had triggered the courthouse riot. Okay, so do we trust that outcome? Because that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. So I think this election, yes, but we know that the bigger impact, and I will do an episode on him eventually, was the saloon keeper named George Barnsdale Cox becomes political boss after this. He realized that there was a vacuum in the city power coming up because people like there's no one to run against the people already running. So it was hard for them to like swap over the power. Oh, I see. Okay. But yeah. After four years, he would earn the nickname Boss Cox, controlled for another 30 years 
the political machine that would eclipse the previous old McLean Campbell ring. And, you know, we really see that it kind of changes Cincinnati because in 1924, Murray Seasongood would form a coalition of reform parties, progressive crusaders, good government movements, and the city's elite to form the Charter Committee. So this would be the start of Cincinnati's city manager system, honest elections, civil service hiring, and a slimmed-down city's council. So we have a mayor, a city manager, and a city council in Cincinnati. So there was a reaction to it. It just took a couple of years because of... It was so close to the first election, you couldn't vote the guys out because some of them weren't opposed, it sounds like. Yeah, it were the people opposing them. It wasn't good. And so it took the fire, the riots, Boss Cox, and everything. So it's a, it really takes about 40 years before we get into the modern system, which I know if you're from Cincinnati, you know our, <laughs> our council is going through a crisis right now. Not going into it, but like... It definitely built a system that had more checks and balances than it previously did. So we have the mayor and the city ca- the city manager have to work together with the council. It's a lot it's a lot more codependent. Right. So it's harder to control all of them. Mhm. But I see. All because of setting the riot shit on fires. Fire. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. That is all of the results of the murder of William Kirk. <laughs> Amazing. And That's how it happens, though. Those flashpoint straw that broke the camel's back things. I did laugh because when I wrote, I, I had written this down probably when I was still working for AmeriCorps. And I was like, why did I write this down? And then I was looking at it, I was like, oh, right. Because there was a three-day riot in Cincinnati and nobody <laughs> knows about it. Yeah. No, I definitely never heard of that. And that has to be one of the more deadly riots in American history. Oh, has yeah. To be. I'm trying to think of any that are more deadly off the there's, top of my head. There's probably some in New York or Boston or something like that. <laughs> but I think one more beer will assist. Damn. You've got the good like <laughs> opening. I'm, I finished that bottle of wine, so. Well, there we go. We're both in great shape. <laughs> so what did you think? That was, well, I didn't know about it, so I liked it. It is, uh... It makes me wonder, like all modern American history, what happens if it didn't happen? Yeah, I think if it didn't happen, it would, like Cincinnati's leadership would be so different. There would be no chili. I hope so. (laughs) It would, but I guess I would think that eventually, I think corruption of local government, like in Chicago, like in New York State, yeah, New York City, I think it it comes to that point eventually until it needs to be broken up and reformed. I think that's kind of how our system works. So if not that, then possibly something else, but maybe better for Cincinnati long term that they learn that lesson early. That is true. Hopefully we don't have as bad of issues to say. So is the stuff happening now COVID related? No. If I remember correctly, and I haven't caught up with it, they were supposed to, like, if so many people are on a chat or something, it would be a quorum. And so certain members of the committee had a group chat and they talked about things and that's conspiracy. Interesting. Yeah. Well, but yeah. That... Yeah, that was uh, the best riot I've never heard of. I feel like that's the title, the best riot you've never heard of. (laughs) That's probably true for a lot of people that live there, too. Yeah, I mean, most people know that. I don't even know if they know that the courthouse burned down. And it's just like crazy to think that 
you wouldn't know about that. It's like, it's your town. Yeah, and a big riot over a whole weekend and a bunch of people died. Right. Well, now I know a little bit more about Cincinnati. Yeah, so thank you, listeners. Next week, we'll have a different person. Scott and I sadly won't be here. He's got to go get his computer fixed. We got to watch Soylent Green. He's going to be scarred for life. (laughs) But I'm looking forward to it, though. Yeah. So we'll catch you all later. Thank you very much. Bye. Domesticity. We're available on all podcatchers. Remember to rate, review, subscribe to help spread the word or just force other people to listen to it. Our Facebook and Twitter are at Domestic Podcasts and our Instagram is at The Cult of Domesticity. We also have podcast merch at Threadless. Uh, As well, if you want to support us financially or show some appreciation, we have a PayPal tip jar and a Patreon, which has some pretty great perks. Any topic suggestions, feel free to email us at domesticpodcasts at gmail.com. Remember to stay domestic and cult-free.